Well, hello there. You're listening to season three of Kids Kids of Music, a podcast where we talk to musicians, composers, conductors, performers, and we talk to the musicians too, even if they're kids. We're asking the questions you've always wondered but never had a chance to ask. And we will be listening to all this music to see what makes it so interesting and enjoyable. And it's a choice for your team. Because music is for you. I am your co-host, Arlene. And I am your co-host, Rebecca Lane, director and owner of the Lane School of Music. Let's cue the music. Welcome to another episode of Kids Cue the Music. I am your co-host, Rebecca Lane. And I'm your co-host, Zara Lane. That's what I spelled. And today we're chatting with Tanya Miller. Tanya grew up in Saskatchewan. She went to study music at university and has earned master's and doctoral degrees in conducting from the University of Michigan. And she was the conductor of the Victoria Symphony for 14 years. At the time of her appointment, she was the youngest conductor of a major Canadian orchestra. She has conducted orchestras and and operas all over Canada, the United States, and Europe. Most recently, she was named Interim Principal Conductor for the Rhode Island Philharmonic. Yeah, nice job, Sarah. Thank you. Welcome, Tanya. Hi, it's great to be here and nice to see you guys and be here. Thank you so much for coming. I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't, but this actually isn't the first time that we've met. You conducted me in the Royal Conservatory Orchestra when I was at the Glenn Gould School. Oh, that's so great. That's that was well- about 15 years ago. It was a while ago. Awesome. Well, that, I always love going to the Royal Conservatory and performing with that orchestra. Everybody's so keen and excited to make music. So yeah, I'm sure we had a wonderful time. We really did. That was actually one of my best symphonic memories. We played the planets. You conducted us. I brought the second violins in a bar early in Jupiter. It was amazing. (laughs) It was a great time, but I have great memories of that. So thanks for being here. We have many questions for you today. We're very excited about that. And you get to ask half of them. I will ask half of them. No problem. Okay. But why don't you ask the first one, Zara, which is the question we ask all of our guests. This one's a little Um, different, but yeah. Most conductors start by learning an instrument. What instrument or instruments do you play? Oh, well, first of all, I grew up in a tiny town in Saskatchewan called Full Lake, 1,000 people. And I feel so privileged because I, I had a piano teacher who would travel a half an hour journey twice a week to teach many of us piano lessons and organ lessons and she taught choir and she was really someone that just inspired great music making out of so many people in our town so when I was growing up and I was a little girl I started off with the organ and the piano and then when I was in grade four we actually had a school band program that started that early that's quite quite young actually and I played the clarinet in the school band so I was very active we had a marching band and we also played concert band I played all these other instruments never realizing at that time that I was going to be a conductor someday wow so I guess learning all of those different instruments probably really helped you become a conductor because as a conductor you need to know a lot of a lot of different instruments well being a piano player was great because right off the bat you're you're playing with two hands, so you're reading two clefs at once, a bass clef and a treble clef. But when you're a conductor, you have to read 
25 different clefs all at the same time because you have to read the flute part and the oboe part and the trumpet part and the violin part and the cello part and all of those parts at the same time. So it definitely taught me how to read music and how to listen to music and to understand harmony and how music works. And then I applied that to being a conductor. How many different clefs are there? Well, there's quite a few different clefs, but the ones that are most used would be the treble clef, which is for the high notes, and the bass clef, which is for the low notes. And then some instruments play on alto clef, like the violas play on an alto clef. And there's also a tenor clef. And these different clefs, they just make it so that when we read the music, it's kind of in a nice position on the on the staff so that we're not reading a whole bunch of notes that are way up in the stratosphere and really hard to imagine what those notes are. So we just get used to reading in different clefs. Great question, Zara. When we mentioned to my my younger brother, Thomas, that we were meeting a conductor, he asked if we met the, tr- the conductor of a tree. Obviously, that's not what you do. But is there any way that the two jobs are connected? <laughs> That is so funny because so many people, when I say that I'm a conductor, they automatically think I must be a conductor of a train. But then they think to themselves, that doesn't seem right. Like, she doesn't look like the conductor of a train, basically, about what a conductor is. So I don't think that there's much of a relationship between a conductor of a train and a conductor of an orchestra, except that both of them create motion and we all go on a journey together. So the conductor of the train is the leader of the train and drives the train. And in a certain way, that's what a conductor does. They lead the orchestra or they lead the band or they lead the choir. And we all go on a journey together. And it's lots of fun. So in that way, it's very much the same. They're totally connected. I bet there's a, like, I wonder if the origin of the word means leader or something like that. It could be. Plus, you know, the the conductor of a train gets to play the whistle, which is a musical instrument in itself as well. So very true. So many connections between a conductor of a train and a conductor of an orchestra. But now, (laughs) yes. And trains do make a very musical sound when they blow their horn. Yeah. When we see a big symphony orchestra performing, it looks like the the musicians know what they're doing. Other than making sure that everybody starts and stops at the same time, why is it, what is a conductor for? Well, some people really think that a conductor is there to start a piece and, and obviously to make sure everybody stops a piece at the same time. But actually, what the conductor does is more important in the middle. One of the things that the conductor does is actually read some music from the composer And the conductor is the only person that can read all of the parts at the same time. Most of the musicians have only their own part in front of their own eyes. So they know what their part plays. And for instance, if I'm a triangle player, I know exactly when my part is going to play, but that doesn't tell me what the melody is going to sound like. And if I'm a violin player, I know what the melody sounds like because I have the melody, but I had no idea what those tuba bass notes were like or what the double bass player sounds are going to be like. So in a sense, the conductor has a vision for how everybody's going to sound. And we call that interpretation in a certain way because I read the score and when I read this music, 
it starts to speak to me and it makes me feel a certain way. And as I learn the music, it starts to make me feel like it should go a certain tempo. And sometimes it tells me that I should slow down or speed up or make the music sound really sweet here or really exciting there. So the moods change and the the speed of the piece changes. And all of those ideas, all of those decisions are actually what the conductor does. And the conductor shares what they feel about the music to their musicians. But they don't usually do it by talking with words. They do it by showing with their hands and they also use their eyes and they use their face and they smile. And sometimes I feel like I am like a traffic cop. I look one and I tell them, yes, it's your turn. Come in. And another time I might say, stop, don't play. If I see that they're about to start and it's not their turn yet. For instance, the second violins in the planets. (laughs) Well, you know, we have a lot of things that we do as we're going through the music to make sure that everybody stays together and listens to each other and has a really good time being together, making music together and with the same idea. In a way, you can't have one person that thinks the music should go one way really fast and you can't have a second person who thinks that should go a different way really slow and they both could be right, but we have to have a decision about which way we're going to do it. And that's where the conductor comes in. The conductor says, we're going to do it this way. And everybody does it. Uh-huh. Sometimes in music class, we're singing a song and the teacher selects one of the students, my class, to come up and conduct it. Nice. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. And people have made some accidents because he's, the teachers told everybody that like they can. They can go as fast as they can and they go like that, whatever. But he says you can go as fast as you can. You can go as fast as you can. You can go as slow as you can. You can do whatever. <laughs> and the first, the first time he did that, some, like we were doing like a three, three beat, whatever, whatever, not instead of four. Three beats but, um, mark, like yeah. second triangle, right? Yeah. But he, the guy who was doing it, he went like this. Yeah. A square. <laughs> he was making a square. <laughs> Square to square. No, no, but he 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 did the triangle. Yeah, and then he went like really fast, like yeah. that, and and everybody couldn't do it. And then my yeah. teacher, my my teacher, Mister Winderly, was like, "No, stop, stop, stop. That's not how you do it." And then another guy, we were learning how this person was actually in my grade. The other person was in grade six because I'm in a split class. But this person, he, we were learning how to. How to like that? How to cut your hand? And he didn't want to do it. So he just let, let, let the, the last note go on. Uh And he was like, (laughs) are we going to make it stop? (laughs) (laughs) Everybody can see. It was really funny because he was like, you went to my house because you couldn't stop. Is it harder than it looks, Sarah, to do that? Have you tried it yet? No, I mean, Teacher doesn't ask me because he kind of just asks random people. Mm-hmm. There was one girl in my class though who was really good at it. She she got steadily faster, uh-huh. and like nobody nobody really could tell she was going. She was getting faster, so slow. Yeah, and uh, and at the very end, you're like, oh, she's was she supposed to get faster? No, she got to decide. Oh, I yeah. see. That's the whole point, right? That the conductor gets to decide. Oh, that you know, that's the thing about. 
music is it's about motion and you have to have like this idea of how the motion is going to go and sometimes bringing it back to the train i really feel like an orchestra is a little bit like a train once it's going and it's it, it's got its own momentum its own speed in a certain way, the conductor doesn't have to do anything because all those musicians have this sort of feeling of what they're doing and they listen to each other. And then the conductor only needs to get involved when there's a moment where it's going to be quite different, where we're going to make a change. And then at that point is when the conductor, who might have been not really using their hands very much while the train was running really nicely... But then when they want to make a change, they put their hand into the sound in a certain way. I feel like I put my hand into the sound, like it's a stream of water and I move it or, or like it's a piece of clay and I change the shape of it. And then in that moment, everybody looks up because they know there's a change being made. But when everything is going really well, sometimes they don't even need to look up. They can just use their ears and that works really well. And are those changes often discussed before? Do yeah. people know that a change is coming? Well, one of the wonderful things about being a conductor is that we have a lot of time together with our, our orchestra or our band or our choir where we practice, where we rehearse things. So a lot of people see a concert and they think that a conductor is just starting and stopping the piece. And it's really good in between the beginning and the end. But we didn't start off that way when we first started. You probably know this, Sarah, from your own music. Sometimes when you first start a piece, it doesn't sound so good, does it? There's lots of people playing wrong notes and there's some squeaks and some squawks. and People aren't all playing the same time. And sometimes we don't have the right notes. So that's what a conductor does is the conductor helps everyone to understand the music and to listen to each other. And the conductor will make corrections. If there's a wrong note, they'll make sure everybody knows to play the right note. So all of those things are kind of a part of what a conductor does, which is behind the scenes where nobody else is watching, we practice and we work together and we make it sound really, really good. In the pictures we saw of you, you're holding a white stick. What is that? So a conductor has a stick, which is called a baton, and it's there so that everybody can see how precise the music is. When I use just my hand, I have five different fingers and those five different fingers are like five different points for everybody to look at. But the baton makes one little tiny point for everybody to see exactly when to play. Because I'll tell you one thing that's really amazing about a conductor and an orchestra is that everybody is filling the whole stage or the whole room and yet Somehow a conductor can get them to all go bah at the same time. So how do you get everybody to make the sound at exactly the same time? It's a sense of, of the point of that baton. And that's why we use it. Yeah, like a baton helps you determine almost like where in time. Yes. It's, and it's, point to it. It's very precise. And it's like a point. You're right. When, when we conduct, in a sense, there's like a, an imaginary table in front of us. And when we lift our stick, we come right back down to that imaginary table. And when we hit that imaginary table, that's when everybody goes bah or plays their string and swing or whatever the sound they're making. So it's really kind of cool to imagine that everybody can do it all at once, but it's all because of the point of that stick. Imagine a song. As a timeline. Oh, boy. 
I remember in the only conducting class I ever took, I think that the name for the... What have you done yet? The point where the beat happens in the air, I think was called the ictus. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. I always thought that was such a cool word, ictus. It's like when, where the beat is. It's like Jones told us about the ictus. Really? Oh yeah. There's also a musical term called noodle. Interesting. Yeah. It's like noodle, which means like single together or something. Because she wrote it, term. When, she, when <laughs> she printed off one of her songs a few years ago, she had written on it a little bit. Noodle. Like, yeah, she wrote noodle. Okay. And everyone was like, what is noodle? And she's like, oh, it means, it means all together or something like that. Or it means like all together and be quiet or something like that. I'm not done my speech. Oh, okay. Please go on, Sarah. Enlighten us with your... Sarah is like a timeline. In the baton is the pointer finger. And when the point your finger hits the spot for the time, that is most important. Like a poem. Very yes. It's like a poem and you're stealing my wall. I'm sorry. Okay, we need to go on though. Let's go on to the next question. Yes. Okay. 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 You're I, I'm happy to read this one. Okay. It is becoming more common to see women as conductors, but it seems like there are still more men than women who have made conducting their career. I would say particularly in like very high level professional orchestras. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that people are slowly coming around to the idea of women conducting on a podium. There has been feeling that conductors have to be very powerful. And maybe in the past, we've always equated power to being a man. But actually, I think that there's a real understanding that leadership is about sharing and about guiding, and about all sorts of different qualities. And it's not just about power. And in fact, power is something that we all have. It doesn't matter what our gender is. So I think that actually there are many women that are starting to be on the podium for even the major orchestras. But I do think that there's been a little bit of a perspective shift to have everybody really believe that anybody can be a conductor. And that's what I believe, that anybody that's listening to me can absolutely be a conductor no matter who they are. I love that. It's like, it's sort of like hockey, I guess, because because before only men could play hockey. Mm. And now I'm being asked to play on a boy team. Yeah, that's cool. And I love that. And you know, it's not so rare anymore, right? Like you can play and you can be involved. And I think it's the whole world is sort of letting everybody try everything. You know, and I think that's really important. So many people came to watch the game wishing they could play. And apparently they used to play, women used to have a kind of hockey and it's like, like it's skirt, I bet. What? Is that too rough? No, they, they used to have a kind of hockey, like a woman thing. It was supposed to be like a woman version of hockey, but it, oh, I think dad told me about it. It's like, they, where they have a stick. Without like an actual like point at the end, but they have like a normal straight stick. Oh, like like a, a hoop uh, or something. It sounds terrible. I I never want to play it. It's better if everyone just gets to do the same thing together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how did you choose this as your career? And were there any female conductors who inspired you? Well, you know, when I was growing up, I thought I was going to be a piano performer, and that's all. That's all I knew. I didn't grow up in, around any orchestras, and I didn't know 
that there were women that could conduct orchestras. I didn't even know really much about orchestras at all, in fact. But when I was in high school, I had my first trip to hear an orchestra and I was amazed at the sound and I was completely inspired. And then I, because I was an organ player, I played the, the first time I learned to conduct was when I was a pipe organ player in a church and there was a big choir and the choir director one day just didn't come back to work and they gave me the job. I was only 19 and I started to discover how much I loved sharing music with people and conducting them. And I conducted from the organ. So I was playing with one hand and two feet and sometimes using my other hand to conduct. And then from there, I just you know how much I enjoyed conducting. I also worked with kids a lot. So I, I spent a lot of my years working with youth groups and school, school groups and music ensembles and really loved inspiring them and making them enjoy music too. So it all kind of led me towards being a conductor. And I would say I didn't have any now conductor mentors or people that I saw. So no, but it didn't matter to me. I, I didn't even think about gender. To be honest, I just, you know, followed my dream of being a conductor and that's all that mattered. That's amazing. And it's so great, I will say, to have, like when I was, when I was in university and you came and you conducted our orchestra, that was the first time I had a conductor at your level who was a woman and it was so meaningful to have like to see someone in charge who was a woman in the music industry it's it's so it was so rare then 15 years ago and it was refreshing and i'm so glad it's not as rare now and that you've kind of paved the way for other people absolutely yeah i i'm glad to be a part of that change and just on honestly i'm just so glad to make music with people and i've always just and that's all that mattered to me so mm-hmm. How many years in my life, I didn't even notice that there wasn't that many women on the podium, to be honest. <laughs> so That's amazing. You traveled the world as a conductor. What is the most interesting place you've ever tried traveling and why? Well, I have had the great privilege of traveling to many different places. And it's so cool when you're a conductor because you are not just visiting those places. You're actually standing in front of people and making music with them. And that's a certain kind of sharing experience where you really have to get to know them and they have to get to know you. And also as a conductor, we need to rehearse. And sometimes if you don't know the language that those musicians speak, it can be very hard to communicate. But what's amazing about music is that the music is always the way we communicate. We, we can communicate if we have to through through making gestures and through the way we describe the sound with our sh- the shape of our hands. And there's another thing that's really amazing about music is that everybody has a certain common musical language, which is generally speaking Italian. So we can say something like the word andante, which means at a walking pace, or we can say something like allegro, which means fast. And it doesn't matter from where we are and we understand. So some of the places I've been, where this was an issue was I was in Poland. I've conducted in Wrocław, Poland, and I'm going to Warsaw this year. And so I had to learn how to speak Polish letters and numbers and hellos and thank yous and things that were really important to the rehearsal. And I spent the last couple of years in South Korea. And when I went to South Korea, I even had to quarantine for a couple of weeks in, in a very small hotel room before I was allowed to conduct the orchestra because of the COVID pandemic. 
So that was very interesting as well. And I was treated very, very well in these places, you know, hosted in a way so that they could share what their country was about and what their, what their way of making music was and what their culture was and what their food was, all sorts of amazing things. And I learned that every musician across the world, we can share the music together and we can connect through the music, even though everybody has such different backgrounds. So music is really its own language. Music is one of the only places where we can truly have this kind of universal connection. And we might not even, even if we are all from the same town or the same city, we might have such different experiences and we might not otherwise know each other. But when we share the music or when we are musicians and we're on the stage and we share the music, in that moment, the music kind of connects us. And I think that's, it's, it's an amazing way to communicate and it's an amazing way to come together. Sorry, our cat is me arguing in the background. He's hungry. We're sitting right beside his eating dish. So yeah. he's just gonna... It's fascinating for me to see all the various characters that are going in and out of your life. You guys have a very fascinating life over there. Cat, <laughs> cats, brothers, cats, company. Yeah. Next thing we'll do the gerbil or a hamster or something. We were going to go to our music school to have this conversation and then we couldn't we weren't able to because my husband wasn't getting home from work early enough for us to go by ourselves so that's why we're in the kitchen i hope that you cut out all of that i think the i think your viewers should know that we are doing this (laughs) cat and and that really you're sharing the space with the cat's bowl of all things so you know (laughs) your your listeners would love to know that We'll have to post a picture of the cat with all of this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We should do it. We should do a weekly cat reel. (laughs) Anyway, we just have one last question. And it is, would you like to play a few rounds of pasta or composer? Well, I don't know what either of those games are, but can you teach me? Yes, we would love yeah. to. Okay, and I can, can I pick the pasta? Okay, sure. Okay. I can, there are two. So, so why don't you explain the game while I pull up the list? Pasta or composer. It's all one game. It is when, in this case, it will be me. A name. A, I will pick a word, an, a name of pasta or composer. So we have a list of composers. We have a list of pastas. And I will pick one of those. So I, I, I'll pick a word from one of those lists and they're all going to be Italian because no. they're usually Italian. Yeah, they're usually, they're usually kids. As we said, that's the common yeah. language of music. But I I'll then, pick, what yeah. happens? What do we need I'll to pick, do? I will pick one of those and you guys have to try to guess whether it, the word is a pastor or a composer. I don't know if that description was good enough for you. You okay. care. I can you, probably do this out. We'll try. Yeah. I mean, hard, but fun. Okay, so here's the list of composers, Zara, and then if you click into here, there's a list of pastas. But where's the other one? I, I don't think we have one like this. We we also have a game called Opera, Opera or Cheese. Yeah, we could drop... We, we, which is, we're a little bit more organized for this one, but we haven't played pasta or composer in a long time. Like, So I think that we should do that. I'm, pasta I'm, or composer. I like pasta or composer. Let me have it. I've gotten one. Mafalda. Ooh, can you spell that? M A F A L D A. Ooh, Alda! Wow, that's so hard. What a difficult game. <laughs> Never heard of Mafalda either as a pasta or as a composer. So I'm gonna say it's 
a composer that I don't know. Okay. I think it's a pasta. The very first name is a pasta. It I, 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 yeah, I always try to pick one that sounds like the other one because I know that my file don't sound late. Okay, I'm gonna say so you tried to trick us. Well, of course, that's the whole point. Okay, but, but I picked I picked Mafalda because Mafalda sounds like a name and it's a pasta, so you know. Okay, Mafalda and Jeffrey Jeff made in Molloy's region in Italy, and it is reportedly named after Queen Mafalda de Savoia. Oh, oh, interesting. Which is the alternate name for this noodle? Okay, wait, that's enough. We don't need to. <laughs> that's good. Because, I mean, this is a music podcast, so you, we'll learn more about the composers when you, you have to ask at least one composer. It's okay. okay. Now, on the press. now I'm going to have to look to that past of that. Go. Okay. Pick one. Torticleone. Ooh. Can we spell it? T O R T I G L I O N I. I think that's a pasta. What about you? I think that's a composer. <laughs> Opposites. And it is a pasta. It's a right this time. We should do a tiebreaker. A tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay, sure. Okay, one last one. You guys better pick. Do I have to do the first name too? If you're going to give it away. I know. You do that. No, you could just do the last name. If it's a composer. Which... Which it isn't because that would give it away. But okay, go. Scarlatti. Oh, Scarlatti is a wonderful composer. I know that before. (laughs) I also know that Scarlatti is a composer. Come on. No, that's a great one. Scarlatti's a great composer. Can you tell us anything about Scarlatti? Anyone? I think it. <laughs> he was Italian. Okay, we need another tiebreaker because that one. No, Scarlatti is a great example. So, Scarlatti, you see, I think there's more than one as well, right? Isn't there, weren't there a few Scarlattis? Right, probably, but I don't know. <laughs> I won't quiz you. Anyway, because I think he, there was an original and then he had a couple of kids. So, I can't pull up the information right now, but yeah, there were at least, I'm pretty sure there was at least. Anchorage, it's such a terrible one. I could pick any other one. Domenico, that's the one that I always learned about. I know, too. Yeah. Very Moyers. Very, very. That's it for Pasta or Composer. And thank you so much for being with us here today, Tanya Miller. This was so much fun. I'm fangirling a little bit, I will admit. Well, it's so nice to meet you both, Sarah and Rebecca, and see you again, Rebecca, and to be a part of your podcast. And I hope you have lots of listeners that enjoy music and enjoy learning about music. I think music is so much fun. And I think every kid should be a part of some sort of musical group because it's so much fun to be a part of that. And your life's so much more exciting and you learn great skills and it's just fun. So I hope that you have lots of great moments making music. And you, Zara, and your school, I hope you have a good time. And I hope you get to be one of the next conductors. Who knows? You might be a conductor one day. Yeah, I mean, I'm currently... You're learning a few instruments. Yeah, I'm yeah. learning violin and piano. So there you go. Those yeah. are 
on you your way. for a conductor to learn a violin mm. and piano. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. Well, thank you so much. And that's it for this episode of Get the Key to the Music. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Kids Cue the Music. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes and follow us on social media at Lane School of Music. I'm Zara Lane. And I'm Rebecca Lane. See you next time on Kids Cue the, the Music. music. Thank <laughs> you.